Chapter 13 Blizzards and Business All right. Lewis sat down hard on the couch. What are we going to do about this? We can't tell our family, right? If we tell them and the CIA really is conspiring with Spire, then they could be put in the crosshairs of whoever is behind this. But if we don't tell them, that could be bad too. They're our families. Family we need to keep safe. Sarah tilted her head, nodding thoughtfully. The silence lingered for a few moments, and Sarah realized Lewis hadn't said anything from the moment after he sat down. <sighs> they do need to be safe. But they've been in the business for 20 years. Anyone's going to know who to trust and how we can best take care of this? It's them. And if whatever's going to happen is so bad that the government's going to go against itself, our families won't be safe much longer in the dark anyway. The snow above pelted Stan Polar as he walked through the snow below, his eyes straining to find his home. No house was supposed to be over a mile from Spire's factory, and he had just now finally found the main road. The tracks of chain-covered tires littered the ground, and Stan continued to move forward, finding that not only was he warm, but he walked on top of the snow, barely leaving footprints in the two-feet-deep wasteland. He had barely traveled half a mile when a UTV approached him, sliding to a stop a few feet short of Stan. The rider stepped off the vehicle and walked towards the young man who seemed very comfortable in this blizzard. Kevin, right? The driver's voice was muffled through the scarf and the snow. Oh yeah, Kevin. I name Whisper and I came up with when we moved here and got access to this place. The chemist nodded. Why did you leave? You're supposed to be resting at my place. Come on, hop on the four-wheeler. You must be freezing. The stranger shed their first coat and put it on Stan, who obliged and began the ride back to the house. Uh, just so you know, your door is broken. Under cover of night, it was easy for the three friends to fly to their family's home without causing a stir. Swiftly but softly landing near Mark and Isabel's house, Lewis, Sarah, and David walked to the door, noticing a long black car in the driveway. Anybody ever seen that car before? Lewis and Sarah shook their heads as they opened the door. Uncle Mark! Aunt Isabel! In the living room, hon! Upon entry, the trio not only saw Sarah's guardians, but Clark and Lucy as well, as expected but another woman in a business suit, quietly sipping tea. Her caramel skin looked even darker against her bright blue nails, her intense gaze only confirming her career choice. Well, hello, Voltage. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too, random British lady who knows our names. Oh, David. I heard you were funny. Great way to mask your uneasiness, but I'm guessing it also helped with the Reckoning Chronicles. Lewis may have a sense of humor, but there's no way he's writing all of the funny parts himself. 
She raised the cup to her lips once more, intentionally taking a longer sip as the silence lingered. Finally setting the tea down, she nodded to herself. Big fan of your works, by the way. My name is Special Agent Chelsea Insel. It's quite providential that you've come down here. I was just about to come to your home after having a great conversation with your families. Sure. Inselm cocked her head to one side. No questions for me first. You don't want to know how I found out about your identities? Well, you probably just assumed it was us since we were already enhanced by the Peak Project. And of course, you've got like 3,000 algorithms that run facial recognition and stuff. But if you wondered if we thought our families betrayed our confidence? No way. That's a pretty good response, Sarah. Certainly makes my job a lot easier. Now that that's out of the way, what about your powers? What can you do? How did you get them? No, we can shoot electricity, fly, manipulate magnetic material, and our physical abilities are really enhanced. We've broken the sound barrier easily, we're almost certainly bulletproof, and we're way stronger than I expected to be. Lewis looked at Sarah. Hey lady, what's the max we've lifted so far? Five tons. Why are we being so candid with her, hero? Can we afford to trust her with any information? But we've got some room there, I think. It's true. Our families look a little tense. Still, the government is an authority we really can't afford to not respect, even if there seems to be an imbalance in their hierarchy at the moment. Something tells me Inselm isn't in on whatever the dealings the CIA has with Spire, though. It's best to comply and play along either way, I think. What I'm guessing you really want to know, though, Agent Inselm, is what our weaknesses are. Like if you could just take a water gun and short-circuit my whole system, right? But I know we're not adverse to that. Not rain, not water. Sarah and I even flew through an ocean wave the first day we got these powers, and I didn't even suspect there would be danger. The electricity comes from within, not manipulated from the outside. So things that would usually fry electrical generation aren't effective. I'm sure we have a cap to our energy output, and I don't think we're completely invulnerable. But I guess we'll just have to keep testing our limits. Does that answer your question? It does a little bit, and your candor is very appreciated. I honestly didn't expect you to be this cooperative, but I guess it shouldn't really surprise me either. But why superheroes? What do you have to gain from that? You seem to know our families, so why do you even have to ask that question? Nobody's motives are truly pure, David. Whose idea was it? All of ours. But who's the leader? Lewis. Lewis, Lewis looked down and smiled, humbled that his friends were so quick to respond. Inselm, however, was not so moved. So, Lewis, you lead the charge. What motivates you? Are you going to fix the world? Not me. We. Oh. You... You actually believe that. You know, you might see that as admirable and right. And it is to a point, but it's 
It's also very dangerous. You want to know what else is dangerous? David glanced at Lewis, who nodded, so David answered his own question. The continuance of a deal with a terrorist organization, Agent Anselm. And what is that supposed to mean? Lewis stepped forward. We got these powers when we were following a hunch about Spire. Gene Tomber had a second office located at the headquarters in downtown, and there was a flash drive hidden there. It was stolen by a guy in a black cloak who we fought on top of a building during a thunderstorm before we were struck by lightning. I never get tired of hearing that part of the story. It's so epic. It's ridiculous. He teleported away right before we were struck by the bolt of lightning. After we finished adjusting to our powers, we went back to the building and accessed the server. There was too much information to shift through, but the CIA was mentioned an awful lot in the memos, and not in an avoid-at-all-costs kind of way. That's actually what we came here for, because we figured our family would know who to go to about this. If there is some deal going on with Spire, it would be dumb not to learn from last time when, you know, a whole city almost got wiped out by their chemical attack. You're not wrong. But this is news to me. Can you describe what the cloaked figure looked like? Since I'm guessing you didn't take any photos, and Spire probably wiped the security footage, as many details as possible would be helpful. I can get a sketch artist here in half an hour while you try to remember. Sarah pondered for a moment, feeling her fingers tingle. Instinctively, she stretched out her hand the air around her rippling and vibrating. Electron by electron, a shape began to take form in front of the heroine. Sarah's electricity had produced a three-dimensional image of their opponent in varying shades of blue. I didn't know you could do that, lady. Yeah, me neither. But we have an iodetic memory, so it almost felt natural. That is very impressive indeed. And some walked slowly around the hologram, examining every detail. It's amazing. Past memory has captured nearly every inch of this person. Some of it is a little bit blurry, but I think that's because it was raining. I can see something else. Others? Oh. Lewis, you said in the original report that you gave that there were two vials missing from the antidote container. So... Whoever was here on the roof was probably in the same accident. Yeah, that would make sense. We didn't really give the other missing vial much thought at the time, except that it cost except that it cost Sarah's parents their lives. Neither did we. But we should have. I'd recognize those shoes anywhere. I saw them when I stopped by the factory. I did an undercover audit the year before the attack. Gene Tomba had a visitor that day. His son, Sky. Stan looked sheepishly around the house of his rescuer, which now had three inches of snow in its entryway. I'm... I'm really sorry. I was just really disoriented, and I'll... I'll pay for it. He continued to stammer, hands in his pockets, as he glanced at the rider, who was taking their time shoveling the snow back outside. Get the door. 
Stan immediately snapped to action, picking up the door and placing it back in the frame. A gust of wind almost blew the door out of his grip, and he pressed it against the connecting hinges. In the midst of his increased effort, Stan could feel his hands emitting a strange, yet familiar energy. He looked up and found ice crystals forming on the steel frame, encasing the entire door and sealing it shut. Holy. What just... Oh, it did work after all. I have the means to finish what I came here for. Hopefully Whisper hasn't left me to my own devices. We can actually do this now. Well, that is something you don't see every day. Stan whirled around, finding that the rider had seen the whole thing. Slowly, they took off the helmet, and long, dark hair fell upon her shoulders. Her face was a lot tanner than Stan would have expected in such a cold climate, and her piercing blue eyes gave him ease and nervousness all at once. Not usually completely speechless, Stan couldn't help but stare, trying to figure out if he had seen this woman before. Or maybe in my dreams. That happens, right? I definitely would remember if I'd met such a captivating woman like her. Wouldn't I? Well, at least now we can properly fix this door. <laughs> I'll get the tools from the closet. The woman spun on her heels and began walking, turning her head over her shoulder. You coming to help me, Kevin? Stan nodded. Oh, my name is Jasmine Cryo, by the way. Sorry, I forgot to introduce myself. I had to take care of a mess someone made. She winked at Stan, who chuckled nervously and followed behind her. Just as I thought, no one has seen a bird from Sky since the attack at the factory. He was slated to go to college in the fall, but he never showed there. Not at his old job, either. No social media activity, nothing. That bigwig at Spire was nervous when I mentioned the ninja shoots to him a few months ago. So, they recognized him. And he's obviously not working for them. And you said he, he warped, like teleported. Yeah, he was right there. I saw the rain bend around him and he was just gone, like that. He could fight too, not as well at us, but he was okay. So what's he doing here? Is he seeking revenge for what Spire did because his father died? Shouldn't Sky go after the CIA instead, especially since my parents shot him? It's possible, but Jane was completely devoted to Spire. He was a loyal employee for over 15 years. I'm more confused as to why his kid was even there. Sky was always eager to please his father, would have done anything he... The agent stopped short and she nodded to herself. Even in the midst of a surprising revelation, Special Agent Chelsea Inzum was careful to keep her face taut and emotionless unless she allowed otherwise. My guess is that Jean asked Skye to take the antidote as a guinea pig first to see if it would work and he could report the success to his superiors. That's awful. The antidote worked, though. 
Why else would Skye have a problem with Spire except to get back at them for Gene's death? Maybe he didn't go after the CIA because he knew it was loyalty to Spire that got his father killed? He went to the root problem instead of the surface? If that's true, he could provide valuable information. Maybe we should be working with Sky Tomba instead of against him. We could use his anger to take down Spire, focus it in the right direction with the right direction. I don't know about that. He didn't really seem all there when we fought him. You know who we are. Our intentions, our morals, everything. You can trust us with these powers, but you don't know anything about Sky except that he was the weird kid in high school who wore ninja shoes. The dude probably even ran down the halls with his arms stretched behind him like an anime character. Don't pretend you don't know what Naruto running is, David. It's pretty hot that you know what that is, lady. Sky could be useful no matter what his mental state. Either way, we need that flash drive he's though. And trusting you remains to be seen. Nothing is worth its face value anymore, good or bad. Especially with powers like yours that we don't understand and have no contingency plan for if we decided we shouldn't trust you. Lewis slowly rose from his chair and approached the agent. Your tea is empty. Would you like more? Well, I guess I would. Thank you. Anybody else want anything? The rest of the group shook their head, and Lewis went to the kitchen, right next to the living room that everyone sat in. Anselm's last statement still hung in the air, and Mark, Isabel, Clark, and Lucy were visibly bothered by her presence. Anselm, however, seemed perfectly at ease, unless she looked at Lewis. Nevertheless, she purposefully watched him make the tea. What a conundrum this young man is. I've been a high-class profiler for ten years, and I've never seen this kind of difference. I've studied the Silires and the clouds for years. I've got everything on every file locked up in this brain of mine. David and Sarah, they're more or less in line with what the reports had always said. The power hasn't changed them that I can tell. But Lewis... Lewis is markedly different, but far more collected, confident, peaceful. There's something about all three of you that I can't put my finger on. But Lewis is carrying it with a calm intensity. Every motion he's making is fluid. Even simple movements like pouring this tea, it's like an expression of artistry. But there's still something wrong with you. I can tell behind your eyes. Lewis, did you ever consider what it would be like to be a police officer? Or a firefighter? Maybe even a soldier? Lewis smiled as he continued making the tea. Yeah, I have thought about that. And how do you think people view them when they're doing their job? Well, until recently, I think most used to see them as public servants, doing their best to help people. A little naive, but mostly accurate. But what about when they fail? Or worse, when they do what's right and people still hate them? Have you thought about that? Because all of those jobs, they're incredibly vital and 
also require great sacrifice. There's almost no thanks and perpetual criticism. And none of them can fly or shoot lightning or do anything you and Sarah and David can. Lewis said nothing, simply filling Inselm's cup before walking back with the drink. Are you listening to me? You want to be the ultimate example of good, but have you considered that will also mean you will be the ultimate target of hatred? Lewis knelt down and handed her the cup, silent for several seconds. At this proximity, the agent could see the lightning trailing behind the hero's eyes, and there was a slightly different scent to the air. It was almost pure oxygen. Unbeknownst to the group, Insom was suffering from a cold. But she could feel her sinuses clearing, her headache lessening. How is that even possible? All I know about lightning is that it's only meant to destroy. Isn't it? You are correct, Special Agent Insom. The whole world could hate us, and a great deal of it certainly will no matter what we do. But if I truly believe that what I have is good and can change the world, wouldn't it be so much worse, cruel even, cowardly even, to keep it hidden? And hide it for what? Because I'm afraid I'll get my feelings hurt? Even at the risk of being ridiculed, I find it a much more worthy effort to do everything I can to help people see that there is more. People, they're going to get offended no matter what especially if they're offered something that requires them to change how they think, even just a little bit. But if the outcome is some people saved, instead of none of them, it's not even a contest. Special Agent Chelsea Inselm shook her head and rose from her chair. Ah, you people are something else. She started towards the door, stopping at the entryway and turning back. We might need to call on you to help us deal with Spire and Sky, so stay near your phone or your headquarters or whatever. Yes, ma'am, of course. And Agent Insel? The guest turned again, hand on the doorknob. You're wrong about one thing. As great as Lewis is, he's not the ultimate example of good. None of us are. But he follows that example every day. And so do we. And if we could be even half of that example, we'd gladly be hated for it. Insom gritted her teeth, her emotions for once betraying her. Thank you for the tea. With a jerk and a slam, the agent was gone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or the series in general, Please rate us, follow us, and share it with someone you think will also enjoy it. Until then, we'll see you in two weeks for the next chapter.